rejoice and be glad in it. I have got a confession to give to you, Robert Stanley Baptist Church. I praised God when I woke up this morning because it wasn't 100 degrees. Amen. Hallelujah. My wife, however, she was like, I want it back already. I was like, no, I've got to have school for a little while. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is so good to see each and every one of you. Thank you, Father God, for this rain. And so we are going to praise Him today. We are going to worship Him today. We're going to give Him all the glory. And it's my prayer that if you need to come to know Jesus, the personal Lord and Savior, that today be the day you humble yourself, you give your heart to Jesus, and experience to be born again into the kingdom of God. Well, my goodness, as I said before, it's very nice to see you one of you, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you, ask you to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you, place in the offering plate, it comes around so we can have a record of your visit, we greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well, but ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us, experience what Father God is doing, and welcome to that church. Come be a part of all that RABC is doing. And speaking of that, we have a lot of things happening today. So I've been asked to remind the choir and the cantata, there is no practice today at 4 o'clock. However, excuse me, at 4.30. However, at 5 o'clock, if you are a mind to do this, and I want you to be there with us, meet us in the fellowship hall for our fifth Sunday potluck. We're going to have dinner on the ground. You know what we call that in the Baptist church? A dog. Dinner on the ground. <laughs> so come and have a dog with us. Dinner on the ground right there. And so it's going to be where the church is going to provide the meat, so there's going to be some turkey there. But you can come and provide me anything you want to. That potluck, we need the sides to go with it. We need anything that you want to do. It's Texas, and Texas potluck means we can have a, a, a we can have a roasted turkey and we can have enchiladas on the same plate. Somebody say amen. That praise God. That's the beauty of living in Texas. So and brisket as well. Amen. So come and help us eat that, and you are invited to be a part of that. At six o'clock, we'll meet here in Sanctuary for our fifth Sunday singing. And so we are excited about that. We'll have some guests here tonight. So please come and support that. Please come and sing with us in that. If you have not gotten yourself on the roster, it's not too late to do so. Get, get, get before the mark and get on that list and, and sing to us and sing with us tonight in our fifth Sunday singing. So it's going to be a good time and a blessed time. So come and fellowship with us in that. All right. I want to say a special thank you to those of you that met with me last night. Uh, as you know, the city of Cup had an event last night. And here at Rock Family Baptist Church, we do not celebrate Halloween. But what we do do is use any gathering together to be able to evangelize. And so three or four of you met with me last night. And I want to thank you for those of you who pray. Over 700 gospel tracts were given out last night. Over 700 personal invites from Rock Family Baptist Church. So thank you for that. Thank you for your prayers in that. Thank you for your support in that. Uh, you can do that again with me tomorrow night for our talk. Outreach. We had to postpone that last week. Due to the infinite weather, supposed to be nice and clear tomorrow and a little bit cooler, so a good day to do it tomorrow. So at 6 o'clock, meet me in the parking lot right there. We're going to go out and talk turkey to our selected apartment complexes and find out what God wants us to do in that. So please be in prayer about that. And if you want to join us, join us in that way of the master class. We'll be in that. It is our homework. It's for you to come and experience going door to door and talk to them a little bit about that. So come and be a part of that uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Don't forget, of course, we have our traditional services, Ladies Bible Study, Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. Don't forget, we'll also have it Tuesday evening at 6.30. Our regular Wednesday services are still going, so we'll have intercessory prayer at 11.30, and, of course, our Wednesday uh, Bible Study prayer service right here in the sanctuary at 6.30. I think 
we have an Operation Christmas Child announcement. So I'm going to ask you to be there. Come on up and share it with us.
would, please find your way back to your seats. I have a short Operation Christmas Child video I'd like for you to see. Please find your way back to your seats.
Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to please to the Gospel of Matthew. As we let those kids start making out the door, realize each and every time how empty we get when those little ones go. And let me tell you something. If you're one of those that says, hey, I can't bring my kid to church, you're wrong. Bring your kid to church. They are welcome here, they are wanted here, and they are needed here. All the years I've been pastoring, there's nothing greater than the sound of a baby in the sanctuary. Amen? There's nothing greater than that. And let me tell you, it is a picture of our future. A picture of our future. A picture of what's coming for us. In fact, the Bible tells us we don't believe like little children. We've got a major problem. Amen? Well, it's good to see each and every one of you this morning. And I uh, want to thank God for you and ask God to continue to bless you, grow you, and nourish you in your walk with Him. And once again, I can't help but say, praise God, it's not 100 degrees today. felt so good when I woke up this morning. We don't have carpet in my house, so when I set my feet down on the floor, the floor was just a little bit cool, I started praising God. Felt so good on my feet. that in your mind's eye. Some of you have watched 
uh, very famous and popular uh, television show that's come out over the last couple of years called The Chosen, and they did a really dramatic scene of Jesus walking on the water. Probably my favorite out of all of them, the walking on the water. Um, not endorsing that series or program, however, there are some dramatic scenes there that are really, really neat. And sometimes it's neat to see some of those stories come alive, especially with today's uh, ability to do that. And I would have wondered in my heart and my life what it was like to have seen that in person. What it would be like. So when you think of Jesus walking on the water, does this kind of image that pops in your mind or perhaps you think of Peter? Maybe you're one of those who think that, you know, his feet were kind of sinking down a little bit and the more and more he lost his faith, the deeper and deeper he sank. You know, I've heard a lot of things like that, but uh, we don't really know. We don't really know. The picture we get is that he comes walking across the water. So there's a lot of things, though, happening in this story. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He had just fed them. And for context, know the story, there was a little controversy in the feeding of 5,000. There were people who did not want to sit down. And by the way, if you didn't sit down, you didn't get fed. So there's probably a lot more than 5,000 people there. Jesus fed the 5,000, not counting women and children. So conservatively, we might uh, estimate this crowd to be about 10,000, maybe 11,000. That is a lot of fish and bread. Can somebody say amen? That is one big sardine lunch. And the Bible tells us, as we pick up in Matthew chapter 14, it says immediately Jesus sends the disciples away. Immediately. And there is a reason for that. And to be honest, though, we don't really know that reason. Jesus has his way. Jesus has his purposes. And that is something we need to start thinking about as Christians today. Now, I know we're just getting into our sermon, and usually I have a really big introduction. But today, I want you to think about what the Bible tells us. Immediately... Jesus sent the disciples away. He told them, you need to get in the boat. You need to go to the other side. There was a reason for them to do that. Perhaps it was to prepare the way. Perhaps it was to set up base camp. Who knows? All we know is Jesus said, hey, you need to go to the other side. And that brings us to a thought you need to hear this morning. Perhaps one of those Christians out there says, God has got to explain everything to me. God has got to teach me when, where, why. How I'm supposed to do things. Well, I got news for you, Christian. God doesn't do it according to your ability. God does it because He can. And you know what? He doesn't need your approval and He doesn't need your understanding to do that. If you don't believe me? Read again inside the book of Genesis where God calls Abraham and says, Come ye out of your father's house unto a land that I will show you. No maps, no direction, no description. No name. You just trust me to take you where you need to go. And when you get there, I'm going to tell you you're there. And so you get some of the same picture here in the feeding of 5,000. Hey, I need to go to the other side. Immediately, Jesus sent these disciples away. Now, we don't know what time it was when Jesus sent them. We know that more than likely they like. The Bible tells us it was the truth. It was time coming to an end. Yep. And I don't know about you, but it's reasonable enough. To think that it's still very light outside. After all, the disciples must know that they launched the boat. Somebody say amen. It's kind of hard to do in the dark, isn't it? Crowds are dismissed by Jesus himself, and Jesus walks up the mountain. You read the story. He'll go up on the mountain to pray. If he goes up on that mountain to pray, he probably needs to do that in the daylight. 
did you know that the winds began to blow as he gave the story? Did you know that the disciples get out of the boat and they're halfway out on the sea? The winds begin to blow, and the Bible tells us that the winds begin to blow contrary to them. They begin to blow, and the disciples back where they came from, and the wind was blowing different. So look at me again in verse 24 quickly now. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Contrary means literally a gangster officer. A gangster officer. So the wind is blowing them back where they came from. You ever heard that old saying before? One step forward and two steps back. So you get the picture here of the disciples rowing just as hard as they can. I mean, they're rowing their little hearts out. Their little skinny Jewish arms are going just as fast as they can. Sweat's pouring down. Do you, are, you, are you right now understanding the way the disciples are going? Perhaps I'm describing you this morning. Perhaps you're one of those that says, Pastor Joshua, you've been reading my mail. I want to do God's will. I want to be involved in what God is doing. I know God has told me to do something. And when I get out to do it, it seems like the only thing that happens is the winds blow against me. Am I talking to you this morning? Perhaps you're online this morning. You're saying, Pastor, you have been looking into my house. Perhaps you say, every time I try to do God's will, it seems like the world comes contrary against me. Boy, you're not in solo company. Did you know that? Some of us veteran Christians are shaking their heads, saying, Amen, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a reason for that. You understand something? When you choose Jesus Christ over those, death and dying of this world, then the world is going to do everything it can to be against you. The devil's going to do anything in the world to be against you, and your own flesh is going to fight against you until we get that new body. Somebody say amen. However, let's get back to our disciples, though. Our disciples are rowing. They're rowing. They're rowing. They've been rowing for a long time. How do we know they've been rowing for a long time? Because Jesus is going to come to them in the middle of the night. In fact, he comes around that third watch, which is like 3 a.m. They've been rowing for a long time. The winds were, of course, blowing them back. They didn't get one step forward and two steps back. Does that sound like you this morning? Does that sound like how your Christian life is going? The moment you start getting ahead, here comes the world. Here comes the devil. Here comes your own flesh. Here comes somebody coming out of nowhere saying, go back to where you came from. Now, what you've got to remember, though, this morning, is that Jesus is not in the boat with them. You need to remember that. That's very important. You need to put that down on your refrigerator door. Jesus is not in the boat with them. And that may be another way that you're feeling this morning. You may feel like, hey, I'm doing what God told me to do, but he ain't in the boat with me. You feel that way? Am I talking to you? Am I preaching to myself this morning? Have you ever felt that way before, Christian? Hey, God told me to do this. I'm doing what God told me to do. How come He's not with me? How come the winds are blowing contrary to me? How come I'm working and working and working and working and I ain't getting and getting and getting where I'm supposed to be? Y'all are looking at a cow with a brand new gate this morning. You ever seen that before? You ever seen a farmer put a new gate in his fence? The cows will come right up and look at it like, there's going to be some grain coming out of that. If you come to visit me in my house, my dog will come say hello to you. And he doesn't want to leave because he's down outside and trying to make sure you don't have a cheeseburger in your pocket. That's what he wants. That's what he's waiting for. That's what he's there for. And let me tell you something. Cows, when they get a new gate, they're thinking, hey, 
This is a way into some place of feeding, some place of food, some place of learning something. And when I say that, you're looking like a cow does a brand new get. What I'm trying to say is this may be something you haven't considered before. Perhaps you're one of those this morning, and you've been asking that question. You just didn't know how to ask it. You've been thinking it, though, saying, I'm doing what God told me to do. I'm going where God told me to go. I'm acting how God told me to act. But there's just something wrong in my relationship here. I'm doing all the work, and Jesus is up on the mountain. Am I talking to you this morning? Some of you might be saying, yes, Pastor, you're reading my mail. I've been doing what he told me to do, but I feel like he's up on the mountain, and I'm in the boat doing all the work. That's going to bring us to our first point this morning. To our very first point. When you obey God, you're going to find out that the world will be contrary to you. Remember the whims the disciples faced when they got into the boat and they were doing what Jesus told them to do now? Jesus said immediately, get in the boat, go to the other side, and the winds started blowing contrary to them. In fact, all that rowing and all that work only took them halfway to where they needed to be. Now, there's a lifetime of teaching in that. Pardon the pun, but we need to stay on past that. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. Some of you might be thinking, I got to get where God told me to get on my own power, my own feet. God expects me to do it on my own. We're all. That is the problem in itself. How many of you have learned that you can't do it without God? How many of you are learning this particular truth? That when we try to do things on our own power, all we end up doing is sweating, getting angry, getting confused, and finding out that the world is contrary to what God has already told us. That He told us. He told us in His Word over and over and over again. You can't get to where God needs you to be on your own power. What you got to do is learn to trust. Now, the world wants you to go back where you came from. And that may be what you're facing this morning. Some of you have been fighting it for years. You've been fighting that. Every time you try to get a step forward, the world pushes you back. You've been fighting your alcoholism. You've been fighting your drug addiction. You've been fighting your anger, your racism, whatever it may be that's been pushing you back. And the world just keeps on applauding you, saying, No, don't go with Jesus. Come on back to where you were happy. Come on back to where you understood things. Come on back to where you were accepted. I want you to know something now. Are you ready for this? You may feel alone, but you're not. You may feel like he's not with you in the boat, but he is. We're going to get to that in just a second. The Lord wants you to go back to where you came from. Just like the wind blowing those disciples contrary. It was pushing that boat back to where it needed to go. So the question we have in this morning is, why does the world fight so hard? Why does it fight so hard? You ever seen those pictures about never give up? One of my favorite ones out there, and I, I couldn't get the picture for you, one of my favorite ones out there is of a bullfrog. And no, don't sing Jeremiah with a bullfrog, please. You ever seen the bullfrog is getting eaten by a stork? And as the stork is trying to swallow him down, the bullfrog reaches out with his little flippers and starts strangling the stork. And he says, never give up. And the stork, you know, he's just joking, getting ready to, to cough him out. Don't you ever give up. And you know what? That is what we're here to talk about this morning, Christian. Do not ever give up. Don't you stop walking with Jesus. Don't you stop talking to Jesus. Don't you stop believing in Jesus. Because this world is fighting so hard means the 
that there's a reason for you to keep on going. Now, take a look with me in John 15, verses 18 and 19 here. The Bible tells us, if the world hates you, this is Jesus talking to his disciples here. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love itself. Yet because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so I'm going to give you the Baptist translation of that. We are in this world, but not of this world. Somebody say amen this morning. When you are following Jesus, you're going to find out that the world is going to do everything in its power to push you back where you came from. And though you're going to have thoughts, you're going to have mindsets, you're going to have ideas that, hey, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I'm doing it on my own power. Maybe Jesus is up in the mountain and I'm here on the boat. I'm not in God's will. Wrong. The disciples are doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. How many of you think when we do God's will, everything should be smooth, easy, saving? But we do, don't we, all the time. We equate ease with blessing. We do. We like to look at that and say, if it's easy, that must be the best way to go. Let me tell you something about easy. Easy is the path that water takes. It's also the path that crime takes. Somebody say amen. It takes the path of least resistance. Water goes where there's least resistance. Crime goes where there's least resistance. God goes where the world doesn't want him, and he restores order, and he brings back life, and he brings back joy, and he brings back happiness. But I promise you, the world will push back on you. So we're in this world, but not of this world. You're in this world, and you're not of this world. Yet you might be sitting in the boat saying, I want Jesus to be here with me. You might be sitting in the boat saying, how come I'm doing all the work, and he's not doing anything? My arms are tired, my legs are tired, my heart's getting tired. And you know something else? Your mindset gets tired, doesn't it? Some of you are shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not preaching to the choir because the choir wouldn't sit down, amen? Most of us have felt that way one time in our life, at least one time in our life. God, you told me to do this. How come you're not helping me do it? You're just working and working and working and working. And you look behind you and you may or may not see those 11 other guys working. Now, let's talk for a minute. One thing you'll find out about Pastor Joshua is I am a realist. That means that I look at things realistically. Let me tell you something about realistic people. When we can get away with it, we usually do, don't we? How many of you think that those disciples might have turned around and some, some of them wasn't quite going the way they should Now, we're assuming that every one of them had a set of oars or a set of paddles. But, what is it? You ever been on a, a bicycle? They were built for two and the other person wasn't pedaling? You ever been on the group run? Army veterans out there, soldiers out there. You ever been on the run? And they always say, hey, we're just as weak as our weakest link. We're just as fast as our slowest person. And you want to pick that slow person up and say, come on! <laughs> this is the same picture we have in Christianity sometimes. But I'm here to tell you, it's not right in Christianity. It develops something that should not it's something we can't hold on to because it brings hatred, jealousy, misunderstanding. And you know what else it brings? When we look at what the disciples had here in the boat, they're on their way. They're doing God's will. He told them what to do. And every one of them are doing it. They're not getting where they need to go. Isn't that kind of like Jesus' morning? 
and you're sitting there rowing and rowing and rowing, and you're looking at the people behind you, and you're snapping and you're biting. Hey, you pick up your oar and row with me. I'm the only one working here. You just thank you all, you self-righteous thing. Somebody say amen. Amen or oh me. You know, no one said anything when you were taking a break. Look at me here, though. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Look with me in James 4, verse 4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You want to know why the world fights so hard against you, Christian? And you want to know why it's trying to get you back where you came from? Because it wants you to be back at a state of war with God. Where you tell God he's wrong and you're right, instead of saying, God, you're right and I'm wrong and I need to be changed. God, change me. God, rearrange me. God, make me, transform me into your servant. That when we make ourselves friends of the world, we make ourselves enemies of God. So when you're in that boat, you might be in that boat right now, just paddling, just rowing, and just a sweating, and a working, saying, nobody's helping me. You want to turn around and bite somebody's head off? You know what you're doing? You're making yourself a friend of the world. Now, let's look at our second point, though. That means you remember Jesus wasn't in the boat with us. He wasn't in the boat with us. Our second point, and the Bible tells us very clearly in verse 26 here, Matthew 14, the disciples are troubled. Look at me again in verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, This is a ghost. I know y'all can't wait for me to talk about ghosts, right? I know y'all are like, Yeah, Pastor, talk about I will talk about that in a minute. But I want you to know something. They were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. They are afraid. They are afraid. They are troubled. They are afraid. Now, look, look at me in that word trouble. Word trouble. I gave it to you up here on the screen. Parikshasai. I know we don't say that real fast. Parikshasai. They were troubled with me. Now, that word is error.
Why would seeing Jesus walk down on the water scare? Why? They've seen possessed people. They've seen it. You know, nowadays the church loves to start pointing fingers and that guy's got a devil. No, you don't. What you got is a love affair with the world. That's not a devil. That's making yourself a friend of the world. And you make yourself an enemy of God. Quit loving the world and you'll find yourself in the grace and the goodness of God. Why were they so afraid then? They were being obedient, right? Okay. They were doing what he told them to do. He told them, give them the boat, go to the other side. Tell what? Yes, they were. Something's missing, obviously. Something's missing. Should we ever be afraid of Christians? Amen. You see, when we're in God's love, we're never supposed to be afraid. I want you to look at me in 1 John 4, 18. 1 John 4, 18. The Bible tells us there is no fear in love. But perfect love has Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So we are not to be afraid. Yet these disciples were afraid. And the Bible tells us they were afraid. Jesus, Jesus comes walking out of the water and they are afraid. There's something wrong in their relationship. Yeah, they're doing what God told them to do. Yes, they're being obedient, but there is something missing. That might describe you. In fact, I've been preaching you all this morning. Perhaps you're online and you're saying, Boy, you are describing me to a T. Praise God. Here's the deal, though. As Christians, we are not to be afraid. We're not to be afraid at all. We don't really know. Because the Bible doesn't tell us. I do know there's something wrong. Because they're afraid. They are afraid. You ever been scared before? Of course you have. Remember when you were a young child and the lights turned out? Were you afraid? Some of us would say, Amen. Some would say, Nope, never bothered me. Do you remember when you stood at the altar and you ready to say, I do? Some of you say, I was terrified. Some of you say, I wasn't afraid at all. Some of you remember your first day at work and you were terrified. Your first day at school and you were terrified. So let's put that in throughout the country. Because they're human, like us. They think like us. They talk like us. They walk like us. They have different accents, though. They cook differently, though. And thank God, over the years, we developed under on the earth. Man! You might be saying, why were they afraid? Why were they afraid? I don't know about you, but would that scare you? You've already seen devils and demons. You have seen it all. You've seen Jesus cast every single one of them out. His problem. He's pointing the boat. Jesus pointing the boat. And there's a big lesson those disciples need to learn. And perhaps you need to learn it this morning as well. And yes, I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching at you. I want you to get right with God. I want you to get your heart right with God. And I want you to be in that right relationship with Him. So I am preaching with you this morning. Perhaps you're one of the disciples and you might be saying like they did. Hey, I wanted to stay behind and dismiss the crowd. Remember, Jesus himself dismissed the crowd. It doesn't take a theologian to read that. The Bible tells us that. Jesus sent his disciples on and Jesus dismissed the crowd. Remember, though, he had just fed the 5,000. That would be a pretty good time to hang around and say, check me out, wouldn't it? That would be a pretty good time to say, look what I did. Hey, baby, hey, Papa. You know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to you this morning? And you want to stay?
stay behind in the limelight? You want to stay behind in the fame and the fortune? You want to stay behind where things are peachy keen, rosy, and blue? Am I talking to you this morning? And God tells you, I need you to go and do this. And you get the boat saying, I've got to stay behind. I don't want to go there. I want to be where those people love us. That sounds like a modern-day church right now. We don't want to go to the lost. We don't want to go to the drug addicted. We don't want to go to the broken, to the imprisoned. We want to go to the rich, to the stable, and to the guaranteed income. That's where we want to go. Perhaps one of those disciples said, I am going to use that word strongly, though perhaps. They want to stay with the crowd. We don't know. The Bible does not tell us. Perhaps they're saying, we just fed the 5,000. I like being popular, Jesus. I like being happy. I like being patted on the back saying, well done, now good and faithful servant. I like hearing, man, you guys are doing a good job. Maybe. We don't know. But what we do know is you can be obedient to God and still be wrong. You know what? You can be faithful. You can be doing God's will and still be sinful. See, when you obey without love, it's not right. You might be saying, well, Pastor, are you insinuating these disciples didn't have love? Well, no, I didn't say that. The Bible says that. The Bible tells us in 1 John, His perfect love casts out all fear. And if they were afraid, then His perfect love wasn't there. And why weren't they in His perfect love? Am I teaching to you this morning? Am I bringing a message to you that bothers you? Praise God. You can be obedient to God and still be wrong. Well, I want to be where the 5,000 people are, Jesus. I want to be where the women and the children are. I want to be there. I don't want to carry a sack of bread and fish over to the other side. You see, when you obey without love, You can be obedient, do God's will, but not have love in you. And it is a worthless action. The Bible tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Without love, it's worthless. I'm bankrupt without love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 tells us do all things in love. This is in Jude 1, 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. This is Jude, the brother of Jesus. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. When you keep yourself in the love of God, you can love the unlovable. You can bear with the people who are unbearable. You can listen to the things you don't want to hear. And you can keep on keeping on, even when you're not getting where you think you need to go. Because you're in the love of God. Amen? Look again at verse 22. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. When you're not walking in love, when you're not doing it God's way, even though you're being obedient, but you're putting a lot of you in it, you're still wrong. You've got to stay in God's love. These disciples confused Jesus with a ghost. Why? Because they weren't doing it right. See, when you work in the wrong spirit, you can confuse yourself. Am I preaching to you this morning? Am I preaching to you online this morning? When you're not doing it in love, then you can confuse what God is doing with what 
Sabbath did. I don't know about you, but goats don't come from God. How many of you know there's no such thing as goats? How many of you know you've got to be pretty worldly and out of God's will to go around saying it must be a goat? Yeah, and on top of that, but scared of it, like, like that, that entity had any power over them. They are blood-bought, redeemed property of God most high. And I want you to know something, Christian. If God owns you, there's nothing this devil can do to have power over you. You can stand up and rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Say, get me behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Yeah. Disciples were confused. Oh, we must be a ghost. Why? There ain't no love there. Ain't no love in what they're doing. How do I know there ain't no love there? Because they're afraid. The Bible tells us. Perfect love casts out all fear. See, when you're working the wrong spirit, you can confuse yourself. You can tell yourself all kinds of lies and tell yourself all kinds of falsehoods and wrong spirits. You know what's funny? Being a pastor for 30 years, one of the greatest things when people aren't in love, one of the greatest tells of that is somebody who creates a story that didn't happen. They created, well, this is what I would have done, so this must be what they did. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And that ain't what happened at all. Why? Because there's no love there. It's amazing to me now. Reading the Bible for 30 years, pastoring, preaching, teaching, that neither Peter nor John mentioned this incident in their letter. Now, I'm going to use my own thoughts here and say for just a second, if I was Peter, I would tell everyone in the world, I walked out on water. <laughs> I would. That's why God didn't make me Peter, amen? That's right. If I was John, now John and his brother James, professional fishermen, Peter and his brother Andrew, professional fishermen, and they are in this boat saying we can't get it to go where we need it to go. We don't know how to get around what's happening here. There is some sort of problem. I want you to know something. If you have a problem in the love department, then you're not going where God needs you to go. you got to get back to the basics and start loving one another like He loves us. Amen? It's amazing to me. Not even the Gospel of Mark and most scholars believe that Mark was a disciple and Peter and Peter led him to the Lord and that's Peter's story. And it ain't mentioned that. That brings us to our last point. We're going to see two of them quickly now. We're going to look at two of those points we looked that you can do God's will and not be in love and be wrong. We also looked at when you're not walking in love, you get confused. That brings us to our last point. Check out Peter. Peter answered him. This is verse 28. He said, Lord, how many of you know I think Peter represents the Baptist church perfectly? He had the foot in the mouth to do. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Well, you asked for it, buddy. You got it. You know the rest of the story. You know what happens next. Peter comes down on the water. He came. He saw. He sank like a rock. <laughs> you want me to say he conquered, right? No, he came. He saw. He sank like a rock. That's why his name Peter. You know, that's what Peter did. I learned in seminary, old professor gave us a joke many years ago. He said, he actually called on me. He said, Joshua. I said, yes, sir. He said, you know why the apostle Peter had sore hair? And I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, because he sank like a rock. Maybe that's how Jesus kind of rocks. Got a hair in his head. Remember, well, better than the hair of the skinny, skinny pants. 
But what's happening here? It's a very powerful lesson. See, Psalmist things are required for us to have fresh thoughts. Some of these things are required. You might have a strong seed right now in your life. And I want to tell you something. Don't fear for one minute. Don't fear for one minute. Fall into the temptation of well, God's not with me. God's not helping me out here. Those people behind me aren't helping me out. And you get bitter. You get irritated. You get angry. And you start snapping. You start biting. You know what you become? You become an agent of the world. Even Jesus is coming. He's like, oh my goodness, it's a ghost! And I'm not doing anything right. Then look again at verse 30. When the psalm is to raise voices, he's a friend. He's a friend. The whole lesson is about not being afraid. And you ought to know how not to be afraid. You've got to have perfect love. Perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love goes to the Perfect love forgives even when you shouldn't forgive. Perfect love forgets even when you shouldn't forget. Perfect love says, I'll take your sin and cast it from the east to the west. Perfect love says, I will put it down at the bottom of the deepest ocean. Perfect love casts out all fear. And if you're afraid this morning, you don't have perfect love. Verse 30 tells us that when he saw Peter, and beginning to speak, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Now, you might think, man, I want to make it a little easier for us to breathe right. You may think that you're alone, like the disciples did. Where is Jesus? He's not in our boat. Jesus is not with us. Yeah, he told us what to do. Yeah, we're being obedient. Yeah, we're going where we need to go. But Jesus is not in our boat. You may think for one minute that God isn't with you. But I want to remind you, child of God this morning. And I'm speaking to Christians. If you're not a Christian, this does not apply to you. But I want you to know something. If you are a Christian and you feel like God has abandoned you or left you alone, you better start thinking again. He does not leave nor does He ever forsake His children. Now the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 14 that Jesus was up on the mountain praying. But if you are up on top of that mountain, you can see down on that lake. He never took His eye off of His children. He was with them, and he was walking with them, and when he saw them struggling, he walked out on the sea to save them, and he will come to you, child. You need to remember Jesus on the mountain. You just got to get where he said to go. If you ain't getting there, you just keep on keeping on. Don't do what the disciples did and say, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. Say, Jesus, come on in. You know something? You want to read the rest of that particular passage? They get to where they're going when Jesus gets in the boat. That's a miracle. We don't often point it as a miracle, but Jesus gets in the boat and they're immediately there. Straight way there, immediately there. We talk about Star Trek teleporting. That's where they were. You want to get to where God told you to go? Let Jesus get in the boat. Let perfect love back in your heart, back in your life. You've been holding that grudge for 30 years. Get rid of it. You've been holding that, I told you so. For the last 45 years, get rid of it. You've been mad since Donald Trump lost the election in 2020. Let it go. Let it go. Because you need perfect love. You might think the world's going to get you. Oh, the winds are blowing contrary. You may think the world's coming to get me. I want to remind you, Jesus is coming on the water. He's coming on the water now. 
customized to you, loving people. Can't you align and like this? That's our love when we do things. Well, this is for you this morning. Have a good time. I don't do this much anymore because so many people don't understand. Genesis 1 2 tells us the earth was without form, the void was dark, it was on the face of you. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Do you know the message that the Savior of the Come on Do you see the message He's given us? I was there. In the beginning, I was there. I am He. I am in your boat. You know what's scary? They thought that God was God. Right? He's the God. He's the Lord over fear. You might be saying, He can't control the weather yet again. You might be saying, He can't make things right yet again. But you know what you need to remember most of all? He may walk out in the warm temperature. That's how much the Lord Jesus is. He enabled Peter to come to him. See the picture that you get? You, listen to me, you can't get to where you need to go without God. And on top of that, God has to make it able for you to come to Him. Are you hearing me this morning? You need that relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to get right with God. You need to come out and take hold of Jesus. But Peter walked out in the water too. And he sank. That's right. He sank. You know the story. Bible tells us he looked at the winds and saw that they were boisterous. And you've heard the sermons millions of times. He took his eyes off of Jesus. Yes, he did. And let me tell you, Christian, when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you're going to find out that the winds of this world are violent. You're going to find out they're contrary. You're going to find out they blow in unpredictable directions. You're going to find out that the wind creates waves, and waves create choppy seas, and choppy seas make it almost impossible to go fishing. He took his eyes off of where you are right now. I've been speaking to you this whole morning. I want you to be willing to come down the aisle. I want you to be willing to come and say, Jesus, like Peter did, hey, perhaps you're one of those who says, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with God. Would you hear the call of Jesus right now? Come out and come on out of the boat that you call a pew and walk down the aisle and put Jesus into your heart. But not only did Peter did not walk, not only did Peter sink, Peter cried out, Bible tells us, Book of Romans, chapter 10, we will call upon the Lord. We will be saved. We will call Be willing to cry out to Him. Would you be willing to say, Lord, save me? And have a word of prayer. He's spoken to you. You can humble yourself sometime this morning. And perhaps you're one of those who say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I just got to get it right. Would you be willing to come? Perhaps say, Brother Joshua, I need to be baptized. Perhaps say, Brother Joshua, I need to be a part. Give your heart to Christ, not to Peter. Let's pray together. Father, come to me on Jesus' name. Oh, how thank you for your word. Your word is indeed quick and powerful and sharper than we feel sure. And I pray right now, Lord, that you have your way in our hearts and our lives. Speak to us, Lord God. Let your word cut and heal. If there's anyone who needs to come to know, anyone who needs to make that decision for you, then we'll be up to you that day. Come as we sing.
Larry Jacobson, would you come this morning? No fear. Come on. Forget today, five o'clock, potluck dinner. The fellowship hall. We're going to have a short prayer of dedication of our new fellowship hall to God, and we're going to have a long time of eating turkey. Amen. Uh, then we'll get right here in the sanctuary and eat sing together. I hope to see you there. Come and bless us with your presence and good breath as we sing praises to God Most High. All right. With that being said, let's close in with Sister Esther. Amen. So get you a ticket for Friday's fundraiser meal. You don't want to miss that. Be there or be square. Amen. All right, we're closing that word of prayer, and I'll see you guys this afternoon. What a month we live. Can you close the prayer time, please? Bless you all, Shalom, and I'll see you in a second.